I'm Quesada Bowman. Today, my guest is Chef Felipe Donnelly. He joins us from Brooklyn. I'll start with a brief introduction. Felipe used to work in marketing. He had a natural calling to the kitchen, so he started hosting dinners at home. New York Magazine attended one of those dinners and wrote about it. And then the health department showed up and shut it down. And the moral of the story is timing is everything. That forced him to make a decision and follow his happiness. He opened his first restaurant, Komoro, on McDougal Street, a 20-seat restaurant, perfect size to jump in the industry and experiment. After that, he went all in. So now he owns two restaurants in Brooklyn, Colonial Verde, and Disco Tacos, plus a catering company called Comparti. Today, we'll be discussing mantras, breaking out of a creative rut, and customers. So I'll start by asking, as we always do, have you eaten yet, Felipe? And if you have, what did you eat today? <laughs> I have not yet, and it's just been pure coffee. <laughs> Water for me. I know. This This is, uh, in our industry, it's Tuesday. So this is exactly. my Saturday. Um, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 Tuesday's like our first day where we just kind of start inching into it, right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yep. Um, so, so we're going to jump right in and then just kind of continue into allowing the listeners, other chefs around the world, just to kind of connect with you. So we're going to jump into mantras. I read that you have a saying that ties to all of your projects mm -hmm. and I'll let you say it in Spanish later, but it trans it, it translates loosely to food tastes better when shared. And the goal is to allow people to fully open up. Um, this is your mantra with everything that you do. And so it was amazing when I read about you and I was researching you because then I'm looking at other restaurants and it really amazes me how many restaurants in perspective don't know who they are and what their vision is. And you notice it right away. And it shouldn't amaze me because think about how many people on this planet don't truly know who they are and have that sense of self. Of course, knowing who you are isn't easy. Sometimes when you truly see who you are, you don't like it. It's a journey with a lot of ups and downs. But I guess when I think of restaurants, I say, okay, this is a project with money involved. So a clear vision, it has to be a must, right? But still, it can be rare. So when there's a lack of clear vision, that's when you see a restaurant try a million things. They're flailing, trying to see what works. What has worked for me is sticking to a clear vision and not backing down. And it's hard at times. Customers might complain. Your team might not fully understand it. But in the end, a clear vision has worked for me 100% of the time. That vision attracts the customers and team that are meant to be in your life at that very moment. It took me until recently, honestly, to fully understand all of this. It took a pandemic where complete control was not an option. But it's amazing to see how synchronistic everything gets when you simply stick to a vision and accept and welcome change. So when I saw that you took this a step further, and I've always had a mantra, I said, okay, he gets it. I could learn a lot from him. So please expand on your mantra and tell us how having a vision has played a part in your restaurants and also that Spanish, Spanish translation. <laughs> we'll start from that one. Um, it is a, uh, a very 
a, a beautiful phrase that uh, Tammy's mom actually used to uh, always tell her, and uh, I think she she grew up with it. And, they, and it was brought to the restaurant from almost day one at, at Comodo, which is la comida compartida sabe mejor. And the idea behind it is the just in, initially the really literal sense is uh, food tastes better when shared. When you have food in the center of a table and you're eating together, it's um, you're able to talk about it, you're able to, to share it, you're able to, to really dive into the food. And it's also about the conversation that goes in behind it. And it's also about the, the idea that um, the best stories are told around food. It's also the idea that the table, the dinner table is the, the center of your house. It's also the idea that um, we come together and we are able to share and we're all able to have difficult conversations and have difficult answers and have resolutions all around the same place. And that's the dinner table. That's around food. And that's really where um, everything comes together. And, and I think that was, it's, as you put it, it's, it's a beautiful mantra. We have it written uh, on our menu. It's even written on our receipts when you get your check. Um, the idea that coming together makes us better at the end of the day. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's been our, um, something that's pushed us in Comodo, it's pushed us in, in Colonia Verde, and, and even in our catering company, um, it's, it's what we do best and being able to bring people together to do some sort of, give them some sort of space to share their life together is, it's, it's what we want to do. Did having that clear vision help you during the last year? Uh, yes. The, the, the direct answer is yes, but I think having a clear vision of anything in the past year is, is, is a very hard thing to, to say and, and to claim. I definitely haven't had a clear vision, and I think it's still, it's still really fuzzy, but it's definitely the idea of... Um, the idea of being able to 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 bring people together and in, in, around food is still very much um, very much present. Um, we did create um, Casa through the pandemic. Casa is our, our delivery system, so it's, it's essentially we're you know we've been delivering meal kits and we're you know delivering essential foods to um, you know to the houses and 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 all of a sudden the idea was like well now we're able to affect how people are sharing and eating in the house is was taking that one step further. And it was just still through the same, through that same mantra. And by the way, having a clear vision, when I asked that in the past year, totally, it's, it's changing, <laughs> but having yeah. a clear vision still guides you. The overall yes. just uh, knowing and having a vision, like we completely downsized our menu and changed and made it easier for the beverages for me, the mm -hmm. food menu for my husband as a chef. And it was like, oh, wow, this is amazing that yeah. why didn't we do this before? Yeah, yeah. And you like, know, you, why didn't I give myself permission to do that before? Because do we need this thing before? Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that vision can it doesn't have to be sticking to that that specific mantra. Mm. That mantra is huge. That mm -hmm. just having that awareness that there yeah. is a vision yeah. is what I think sets you apart from other 100%. people. Well, you know, well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I mean, uh, I think it's it's the idea of being able to 
Um, and, and it's the, the vision also helps you make decisions when you are under pressure, as we have been under pressure the past year of just take it almost immediate decisions that you know are right because you're heading in the same direction and you're going in the right in, in the right place. So yes, right. yeah. yeah. You're following that gut feeling. Exactly. And so having that mantra, having whatever you want to call it in the past year, it is just, it's primal. It's mm-hmm. like you needed that. You needed to tap into that for your own sanity, you know, 100%. to deal. Yeah. Well, so, you know, with the past year, we're doing all these, you know, craziness. We're dealing with stress. And to say the the last year has been challenging in our industry is the understatement <laughs> of the year. Uh, we've been dealing with a ton of menial projects, but these menial projects, uh, are lifesavers, you know, Mm. like, uh, you know, applying for government funding, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. first round PPP, second round PPP, Mm. restaurant revitalization funding, all these things that we deeply depend on. Um, and while we're doing all these things, like, I I don't think I ever applied for so many loans and this and that and, and had, you know, our tax ID numbers ready at all times and all these things like that we are usually, yes, we're dealing with HR. We're dealing with these, you know, things that, you know, you have to do, but these were next level with, with different codes for, you know, a pandemic, a health crisis, all getting, uh, you know, it it goes on and on. So (laughs) the creativity that we normally have can easily get lost or you're just exhausted. Mm. Um, So I wanted to touch on creative ruts and how did, did you have one at any point? And if so, how did you get out of your creative rut? Um, Any tips or anything that you can give me? It's interesting. Um, and I haven't even, I haven't even talked to this with, with Tammy. Uh, it, it's 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 interesting because for sure there was a creative run, and I think like where the rest of the world were doing sourdough breads and making pastas at home from scratch, we were, as you say, you know, fucking going over these goddamn forms and just going everything. And the loan forgiveness, motherfucker, the loan forgiveness was just this insanity of like going back and then going back and then going back and going back. And it was just, it was killer. It was a mind kill for sure. Um, so thank you for bringing that back up. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but, but, um, but yes, I think there was a, a moment of um of a creative rut and it was interesting because it was also a moment in which i've never been cooking more in my household than i had in this past year right uh and i got two kids and i have to be cooking for them on a constant basis and cooking more meals than i've ever cooked for them in 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 their lives as well and there was a point there was like a couple of months in which we were just like pasta chicken nuggets and even though the chicken nuggets were like i was making actual I was breading the chicken myself, right? Not like the frozen stuff. But even then, it was still like, there was a list of five things that I kept on going back to and going back to. And then finally, I was like, enough, enough with the vodka sauce and enough with the pasta (laughs) and enough with the chicken fingers. Like, we got to be better than this. And I think that was a moment of, of, of just click. And I think my, one of the ways that I, that, that I went into it was, um, kind of, looking through books and just, you know, grabbing a random book and just starting reading it, cookbook, sorry. Um, and then realizing, you know, I haven't really, 
focused on tacos a lot lately. Let's start playing around with tacos. And then, you know, I find myself one morning making uh, flour tortillas from scratch. And, you know, next thing I know, it's a week into it. And I have like a batch of different tortillas that I'm doing. And uh, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden it just kind of like it, it slowly starts coming back. It's, it just slowly starts diving back in there. And I think it was just the idea of um, separating yourself from the numbers for a second. Like the, the moment the, P, the second PPP came in, it was this huge relief. And it was just accepting and allowing yourself to be extremely grateful for the government that gave us that, that, that money, gave us that relief, and just allowing it to do its thing and letting things go a bit and just start to focus a little bit more on, on the cooking and just be in the kitchen and have fun. And, and that was kind of a little bit of what I was missing. You know? And I think that's, that's where I went back into it and slowly started working with tacos and slowly started working with tortillas and slowly working with different things. And little by little, it started coming back. But the creative rut was for sure there. So cookbooks is what you, I mean, you couldn't travel. For us, traveling is always how we get yeah, our yeah, yeah. creativity. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the closest thing you get to travel, right? Right. You know, it's opening so, up somebody else's journey into something and, and, and taking it from there. It's so funny when you describe that second PPP. I remember that was like February for us. And it was, huh. it was this deep breath moment. Like, yeah. oh, you could yeah. see the next few months and you could dive back into some yeah. sort of normalcy yeah, yeah very I powerful mean, the the moment of it was it was for us in february as well um i i, I remember just the bank account depletion it was <laughs> it was so real and we just kept on seeing it like week after week and we're like oh my god we need to we're not gonna make it we're not gonna make it we're not like i don't know what to do if we don't get that that loan yeah. Um, and yeah, it just arrived. It was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just so I'm clear, you were getting out of that creative rut, looking at cooking books, playing around with tacos, said, oh, you know, this, this piqued your interest. Now, hmm. Disco Tacos, did that come out of that creative rut or it was before? The new menu of Disco Tacos has definitely come out of that. Um, and and I, it continues to evolve and it continues to change. Um, Disco Tacos was already a, a taco truck before um, and within a taco truck it is you, you, you can only do so much right and it, it needs to be um, you need to be really simple and straightforward with, with the food that you do and, and usually the best tacos are simple and straightforward um, I wanted to do something that was a little bit uh, different and fun when it came to a proper brick and mortar space um, and that's what I started playing with, uh, with how to do a little bit different tacos that are, um, that are, that's the very much stuff that I grew up with, but kind of presented in a little bit of a different light. And it's not your traditional Mexican tacos. It's, just, it's, it's something that's there, but it's twisted a little bit. Yeah. 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 So did disco tacos start technically during the pandemic, the food truck or no? The food truck, we had it, um, we got it in 2018, 2018, it first arrived, but we didn't really start using it until the, until the end of 2019 and it's real big official debut was, uh, March of 2020. 
Wow. We were using it for like a lot of private events uh, before that. And then like we, we put it out uh, in March of 2020 and did it, it did it once. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so, but I would think having a food truck, did it help you last summer during yeah, the summer of 2020? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we had the, the food truck, we put it out in front of a, a we had a, a small bar in uh, National Sadas, which is where Disco Tacos is now. Um, and so we put the truck outside um, of the bar. And so nobody was coming into the bar because the bar, it's as a bar is, it's tiny. And uh, and so we were just, you know, selling tacos directly from the truck and we were selling drinks from the door. And so the truck did awesome. So it was, it was, it was a perfect moment. Yeah. yeah. And so you were like, all right, let's get a brick and mo- uh, mortar. When did you decide we should get a building for disco tacos make this well, we, so we had this space the, the, that that bar space is essentially what we turned into disco tacos um and, and was it your bar before yeah like, it was it was called cosmico okay and it and it opened also just at the end of 2019 um and so it really didn't it didn't have a chance to do its thing and and it was a bar and it was a small place and you really can't we didn't have any indoor space so we at at the end of 2020 we decided to shut down um, and reopen as as Disco Tacos. So we reopened it in May. So when essentially when we we went into um, when the city said no more indoor dining in, in December, uh, we completely closed and we reopened in May as Disco Tacos. Now, are you formulating? I'm thinking the size of the bar, small. Are you guys planning with the, so for people listening, not from New York City, New York City, loosely, it changes uh, quite frequently, but are you kind of planning to utilize the outdoor space that right now all the restaurants have on mm-hmm. the curb? Are, are you, are, I mean, right yeah. now it's like they're, they're guaranteeing the next year, right? As of uh, today, it changes every day. It changes every day. It's, it's so stressful. It's so, it's so stressful. It is. It's stressful, but it's also really amazing, like for people listening. So now in New York City, they have and and all around, honestly, we have it out here on Long Island too. It's like it's amazing. It's it gives us, for example, we're a forty five seat restaurant usually, and it gives us an additional like twelve seats. Like yeah. that's, that's that's great. We're not at a hundred percent capacity, we're at a hundred and twenty percent. You know, like it's yeah. it's very helpful. Um, so are you, are you guys formulating kind of your plan to utilize that for the next year? Oh, yeah, yeah. We we built out – so part of the build-out and the reason why we waited until May to do it is so we can build a really nice um, street seating area. Um, and our neighbor is a furniture store that allowed us to go into his street space as well. So we have, you know, almost a double street side um seating plus the sidewalk so yeah 100 percent. i mean that's kind of a a big piece of it you know yeah yeah so you just kind of fingers crossed like hopefully this lasts a year and you get what you can from it right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah rock it out yeah and we'll see and we'll see what happens from there you know i mean it's like it's i, I feel that there's something that's happened to this city um, uh, especially in Brooklyn. Um, and I know that Manhattan is, is definitely a different story and, 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 you know, we can talk about that, but I think in Brooklyn, it's, it's, it's been something that's been super interesting to see how, um, 
that the street seating has made has really developed the city into something completely different than when it was almost two years ago. Um, it's fun. It's vibrant. People are on the street. Um, there's there's a lot happening, and people want to be out there. Uh, and it's been it's been beautiful to see. It's been beautiful to see that development uh, happen and, and that change. So I hope it stays. I hope it continues, and I hope uh, we can make everyone some sort of happy when, when it comes to the, the outdoor seating. You know, I, I, do, I do understand that there is the noise issues that we need to respect. And I do understand that we have all neighbors that we need to make sure that um, they're respected. And, and I think that that's part of, of what we do as well anyway. So I hope it stays. Are the community boards up in arms these days or are they kind of with it? Are they still in, we need to save restaurants or is that worn off? A little bit worn off. Um, a little bit worn off because because you see the amount of people that are out there and, and, and are doing their thing. And um, But the community boards, as far as Brooklyn is concerned, has not been up in arms just yet. Um, I know in, in Manhattan it's a little bit different. Um, but also in Manhattan it's a little bit different because everybody lives on top of each other. And I think that's kind of the big issue. Um, where in Brooklyn, at least you have a little bit more space to, to move around. Um, and again, I, I just feel that there's a little bit more respect uh, just because you have a little bit more space too. So it's it's been a little bit easier to navigate. What is Brooklyn like these days? What's the vibe? What is it back? Is it not back? Or, you know, there's still, I think in Manhattan, it's just a little bit different just because for me, at least it's, it's still not back hundred percent, definitely way more vibrant than a year ago, but still mm. now we're seeing mm-hmm. with the Delta variant, you know, people offices are going, putting it back till February now. So you don't have to yeah. go back to the office of February. So what is the vibe in Brooklyn? Yeah. Is it back to normal in any way? So I think if you would have asked me this question in June, I would have said it's a hundred percent back and with fervor, it's beautiful, it's strong and it still is very much strong. Um, and still very present, but I do know, uh, that this Delta variant issue has, uh, really hit hard. Um, and you see, um, you, you're seeing it and you're feeling it again, come back like that pressure of like, Oh my God, is this happening again? What, what's going to happen? What are the next steps? And I think that's that, that cloud that we've, that we haven't felt in since honestly, since May, I feel that, like that cloud has been pulled away and now we're kind of starting to feel it up, uh, come back. Um, and that sucks, but I do feel that, uh, that Brooklyn has, is, is definitely back. We've been doing our Sunday asados in, in, uh, in Colonia Verde, uh, which are Sunday parties. Once a month, we have a guest chef come in and take over our backyard and do barbecues. And, you know, we invite, um, so we invite like, somebody to pour mezcal, somebody to pour some wine and it's just a huge party and it's a blast. And, you know, we've already had two of them and you feel it. The spirit's back. The spirit's there. Everybody's, um, everybody's, everybody wants to be out. Everybody wants to get together again and, and start hugging. And, and so I hope that stays and I hope that we can work through this variant and, you know, get vaccinated <laughs> and do all that thing that we need to do to, to be able to, to get through it. And I just hope we don't fall into another December like we had last year. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, I, I've got a million thoughts and questions going through <laughs> my mind. Well, the first is chef wise, who have you had for the last two, the last two guest chefs? Uh, 
We had Eric Ramirez from Lama Inn uh, in, in July. And we had Carolina Santos Neves from American Bar in June. Fun. And then in August, we have uh, Nick Ander from uh, Anton's. Very cool. Yeah. And so are these, how late in the season do you usually go with these typically in a normal year? Normal year, we go to December, uh, to November. Um, usually, yeah, November is usually the last one. Um, and then we're going actually into December this year. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And it's all focused around New York chefs. We're usually, we do uh, chefs from all over the world. Uh, we're, we're doing all New York chefs and all friends and just kind of doing this community thing of bringing, bringing the city back. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then going back to the stress. Yeah. I, the other day we got, um, an email from Helbron and Levy. I don't know if you use them. They're a hospitality law firm. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't, I don't use them. So I'll tell you, I just started using them. We needed to, uh, renew our liquor license. And the reason I did is because during the pandemic, they were so incredibly helpful. I've talked about them on this podcast before because they were literally giving out when when we were going, what the fuck is a PPP and not mm-hmm. understanding anything from that moment, Felipe, every week they would send out these intricate emails explaining every detail, like a lifesaver for free. And they mm-hmm. really guided us the entire way. So I was like, you know what? Let me give them the little money, whatever. Oh, I just need a renewal of a liquor license. Like I want to give you my yeah. money. I want to support you because yeah. they literally were a lifesaver for just understanding all of this. Yeah. So they sent out an email. They stopped sending out the emails on a regular basis, you know, months ago. And they said, all right, We're sending out this email now, just give you a heads up because they're tied to, you know, Washington and Albany and all the politicians. And from what they're hearing with the Delta variant, they're like, yeah, you should look ahead and maybe start buying those propane heaters and da, 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 and come into uh, the Department of Labor. Now there's a uh, pandemic health requirement that a plan that you need to come up with. And it was just like, no, no, (laughs) not again. You know, it was a real bummer. Like, and I, you know, you try not to get into it. It's like you, you need to give 1% of your mind to have that on the back burner. Like, okay, this is helpful. Thank you for giving me a fair warning, but also I can't get too, you know, mentally drained by it. Right. Right. I don't want to go in that headspace. I want to keep positive because personally, I, I think, Oh, and then let's not forget. I mean, this morning I was reading an article um, down in Philly, Philly Inquirer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, huge article. There are two restaurants that starting today and then one next week is going to reopen vaccination only. And mm-hmm. people are up in arms and this. And then let's also pull in yesterday's headline. Now our governor is saying is encouraging. It's encouraging, it's encouraging. us. Yeah to have only vaccinated uh, yeah. diners. So there's these all these things that are simmering around this variant. And then honestly, my gut feeling is there's we've already been through so much. There's no there's no more money to give us and to do that. Like there's no right. way that the economy can actually right. go back to what it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no physical way. So mm-hmm. on one side, I'm not really stressed about it, you know? fast forward to three months from now, I'm like, Felipe, let's do another podcast. Look, I was wrong. (laughs) 
But uh, that's my feeling today. You know, it's it's a lot. Man, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. Know? It's it's and it's and it's you, we're getting it like, man, uh, it's insane because I, I think before, especially March twenty twenty, there was some kind of like clear things like we need we need to close a restaurant. You know, we need to start wearing masks. We need to start like we need to start doing these things, and it was a clear cut things that. Like, if we don't do this, things are going to get really bad. And now it's just like, it's, you're, you're going into, into political games as well. Like it's uh, the, between the vaccine mandate and, or, or sorry, recommendation. Um, and, and all these things are just like, are we playing, polit- are you, are we playing your political game now? Or what are we, what is it that we're doing? And, and, right. and that sucks to put us in that position. Yeah. Um, and it's, and, it, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's such a, it's a piece of shit, honestly, you know, yeah. and I think like it, it puts us in a, in an absolutely terrible position, in which we're not going to win, you yeah. know, and, and, and it sucks. No, no, I refuse it at this point. It's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not being your mask enforcer. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. I don't mm-hmm. put that on us. It's not fair for you to put the, and it's yeah. not just our industry. It's basically any oh, retail, you know, it's oh. Walmart, it's Costco. It's private, it's, it's private business. It's, it's, it's exactly. private business. We want, like, you want us to, like, I can't, I'm not playing this game. And, and, no. and it sucks that you're putting us in that game. Like we recommend you to do this. Like, dude, like no, it's not. It's not our place, and no. and it sucks to be able to to be put in that position. But um, I do hope that you know, even with all that said and done, that we're able to, as a community, get through this. You know, and and be able to work it out. And and somewhere in the end of this, whenever it does properly come to a somewhat closure and conclusion. That we don't look back and be like, well, those motherfuckers were doing that, and these pieces of shit were doing this, and then all of a sudden that that conflict still exists, right. and, I, and and that's what I want to be able to step away from and be uh, able to say we got out of this together, not totally. not this constant conflict. Or and that, in addition to, I'll add this. Also, it's a new normal. Like, don't think of COVID as leaving. COVID's here possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. for the next couple of years. 100%. And this is just how we're, this is how 100%. we travel. This is how we eat out. I always have a mask around my wrist just in case. You know what I mean? Like, right on. It's, right on. It's, and, and, that's, and that's what I mean by this, some sort of closure is the idea that we are now accepting the new normal. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 that's, that's, I think that's the point. And, and I think like, um, you know, we, we still are seeing the headlines like such and such got COVID, even though he's vaccinated, right? Well, that's going to happen. Right. And that right. stuff is going to happen. That's why we were also vaccinated so that, right. uh, when, when we do get it, it doesn't affect us as much. And exactly. so let's not make a big issue out of it. Let's not make the big headline. Oh my God, he's got COVID, but he was vaccinated. No, like let's, it's part of the dealing of, of the new normal of like accepting things and starting exactly to move on. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect segue into headlines. Okay. So now I'm going to read a few recent headlines as we move into the next topic. Okay. This first headline is from Eater. Um, but I first saw this story in the New York Times. Quote, Cape Cod restaurant closes to give workers a break from customer abuse. Hmm. Next one. This one's from NPR. Quote, low pay. No benefits, rude customers, restaurant workers quit at record rate. Mm -hmm. All right. So I could go on reporting 
similar recent headlines. The point is, um, I'm going to go into a little rant here, okay, Felipe, and then I want to bring you back around, um, see if you're with me on any level or if you're, you know, but just hear me out for a second. Sure. So for me, our industry is at a critical moment, a moment where we can make some meaningful change, but we need people to be outspoken and have a clear vision. So when I see customer abuse, these headlines, like the, the fact that I'm seeing headlines with customer abuse, it's, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. So customer abuse needs to end today. Customers need to understand that prices need to go up, that quality food is not cheap. Benefits and good pay, that's just a must. Respect needs to be placed on this profession. This really gets me. These are not throwaway jobs for aspiring actors. You know, some people think, oh, yeah, everyone's just a server and they're really, you know, they're studying to be this or studying to be a doctor or they're trying to be an actor. No, it's a profession. And it's a profession for creative and highly organized people. I've told plenty of stories about crazy customers on this podcast, so I don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But I will tell you another aspect that needs to change that is loosely connected to customers here. So we use the reservation system Resi, and they automatically email every customer after they dine at a restaurant. The survey they send is pretty intense. It starts with something along the lines of, did the host smile at you? As you continue, it moves to every aspect of service. Was your server helpful? Just many different questions. And honestly, I forgot about this survey for years. I originally had another system and then Resi bought that company. With the original company, I told them to get rid of that. Surveys were not sent out on our behalf. But Resi has been doing this on our behalf for years now. And it wasn't until I dined out and received a follow-up survey myself recently that I looked into our analytics on the back end and saw that we had this survey. So immediately I contacted Resi to have them remove it. Now these surveys, in my opinion, helped create these abusive customers. This is just one small example of what is not helping our industry. By giving abusive, entitled customers platforms to complain, you are validating their feelings. You're literally letting them know that their opinion matters. So that is my rant of the day. What is your vision, if any, Felipe, or your opinion uh, for changing our industry in any way or what needs to change or, or hearing those headlines? Where does your head go to? Oh man, hearing those headlines, my head goes to, it goes to benefits and, um, and how hard it's been to properly get benefits for our staff. Um, I think that you, and, and, and not to give weight and seriousness to what you're saying, because, um, you know, disrespectful customers are, is something that, that is, and, and I think you're completely right about the, the survey. Um, and we don't have the survey, so we also got it removed uh, from the from get go. And I think you were talking about reserve too, right? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And and and, uh, and and it was the same, very similar deal with reserve. Um, we they they only get to say how was your experience five one star five star whatever, um, and really no no not much more after that. Um, Kudos to you guys. I'm glad, and I'm I'm glad to hear that other people 
are saying no, no, no. We don't want those yeah, associated no, with us. No. That's amazing. I mean, if I could, if I could delete Yelp, if I can delete that, oh. I mean, it would be the first thing I do. You know, it's it's yeah. obviously, um, and 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 you are right. Uh, it does promote the entitled customer without giving them the uh, full understanding of like when when you don't have that, you walk in and be like, well, this person taking care of me is a human being and has an actual life and right. is going through some shit. And is going through the same pandemic that I'm going through. And so let's do this, you know, let's have a normal conversation and interaction. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, the, the, the angry customer can, can easily come out and was like, well, if not, I'm going to give you a bad review. And you're like, oh, whatever, give me a bad review. I don't care. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so, but I think most importantly for me, when I, when I start hearing these headlines is um, I, I, I am actively working very hard to get um, all of our employees full benefits and full benefits is from healthcare to 401ks to, um, to, to anything. And, and obviously the vacation days are, are very present and the, and the paid time off um, is very present over time. It's all there. Like we, we do everything very much by the book um, uh, and we try as hard as possible, but the biggest issue that we've had, is the healthcare. The health health insurance companies um, aren't giving us the opportunity to give full access to the employees that, that want uh, the health insurance unless we get X percent of the company fully registered. And for mm-hmm. us, that becomes very challenging. And that becomes challenging because, well, we have immigrants that aren't allowed to get health insurance. And if they're not allowed to get health insurance, that counts against the amount of people that can and that need to get the health insurance according to the uh, insurance companies. So it puts us in a situation in which we all of a sudden become the asshole because we can't get the our employees who have been with us for many years, who 100% deserve and need, especially right now, uh, all the proper health care that they can they, they can get. Um, and 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 we're all of a sudden in that position that we're not offering the proper benefits. So it's, it becomes extremely frustrating because as a owner and employer, it's the number one thing that I want to do. And I completely understand these. I mean, the headlines are a bit rough, but at the same idea, it's, it's that it's, it's these people aren't getting what they deserve because I can't get it to them. I, I can't right. because I'm not being allowed to. And that's, I mean, that's, that's absolute bullshit. Right. If, if, and and it, it, it kills me. So it's one of those like, well, now I, I want to help you in some way, shape or form. And, and if that means guiding you through the process of um, uh, going to the marketplace, the New York marketplace for health insurance and giving you some kind of stipend to cover your health insurance, that's something that needs to, that, that we need to do. But it, it's not covered and it's not a tax benefit for us and it's not all of that stuff that we would benefit from. It's, it's just doing it out of our own nature because we have to do it because these people are human beings that are working for us and, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, I think it, it comes down to not fully understanding where we are as well. Uh, that, that kind of drives me a little bit crazy um, and not diving deep into the big issues and the big problems from, uh, from benefits from angry customers, from uh, from all of these things, that it is kind of, you know, it's it's not. 
the is not giving us as owners the benefit of the doubt that we're really trying to do the right thing. And um, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people that aren't doing the right thing, and it's it sucks. Uh, but uh, we're we're here. We're still trying to rebuild on some uh, sort of foundation that's still really uh, not solid in the slightest bit and trying to make it work with as much as we can. And it's, and it's frustrating because, um, you know, we want to get back directly into it and, and rebuild in an industry, rebuild an industry that was broken and do it in the right way. And we're not giving, we're not being given the proper tools to be able to do that. As best as as best as possible, and that becomes uh, it becomes very frustrating. We had a little audio issue, but we're right back into it. And so, how I was going to follow up is saying we do need to have a reckoning in this country. Like when you were talking about immigrants, like I don't, and I've said this before, and I'm very public about it. We all, as the restaurant industry, need to say hello and acknowledge, yes, immigrants work in restaurants. I don't care what restaurant it is. They are there. They are a vital force in this industry. So I'm really glad that you brought that up and brought forth these really uh, simple things. Like you're, you're literally talking about a formula that we all deal with when we're looking at health benefits and why can't these people that truly exist and have been with us for years, why can't we acknowledge them openly? Matter of yeah. fact, people are afraid to acknowledge them on some level in this it industry. Is. It is. I mean, hundred percent. It's, it's, so, it, it's so unfortunate. It's, it's scary to be able to say like, look, his name is Jose. His name is Luis. Right. Say right. hi to him. He's real. He's there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so interesting. This is just a quick side note, um, and we're going to come right back. But when you say that, even this is an entitled customer a few weeks ago. We do not serve salsa or tortillas on our menu, okay? Let me, let me just say that. They are not on our menu. Um, while I'm a big fan, they don't happen to be on our menu. And I and this is what we talk about. People in this industry don't want to put a name to Jose, put a name to Luis. Yet entitled customers are aware that they're working. Uh, we had, his name was Jose, a food runner. And he brought out their dishes. And this woman goes, can you please bring me some salsa and tortillas? And he goes, that's not on the menu. And she goes, you know, the ones you eat in the back. So if Karen, if Karen knows that these people are working in restaurants, uh, you know, I just, why can't we as a restaurant industry acknowledge these people and give them benefits and give them, you know, everything like, like during, during, oh my God, when everyone was getting, uh, you should see how many hours I spent going in every week and and money that we did not have while everyone else on our team could sit home and receive those uh, lovely benefits while we were closed for three months, the spring of 2020, uh, we had to get money together to give to our staff because they couldn't apply for that. Ah, that is real, you know? Like, they were not at home collecting over $1,000 a week. So... We needed to fund together our personal money to give money to them just a little bit to try to get them, you know, like this is, I don't want to hear about it. They are in, 
They are in restaurants all around this country. And, and honestly, now more than ever with all the unemployment and the staffing shortages and people not feeling, you know, you know, that they can work. And, and I respect it all. But on the other flip side of that is without all of these immigrants, many restaurants would definitely not be open right now in our present time. They were a 100%. impactful force during this pandemic. 100%. 100%. Uh, I mean, I, it's very well said. It's, it's something that, um, I don't know why we shy away from it as, you know, as a global, as, 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 as a country, we kind of, we're scared to have this conversation. We're scared to be open about it. And we're scared because, because the immigration is such an issue and it's all these things, but it's without them, without them right now, we wouldn't be anywhere. Honestly. Yes. 100% true. Yeah. And there are just certain positions I, I will go to say, and this isn't just, you know, I'll speak to my restaurant, but when you speak to other people, you know, take a poll, everybody. But there are certain positions that if you venture to talk about it, that I haven't seen uh, many other people, not not immigrants in those positions. Like you just, it's hard to find, to hire like where just people think, you know, the privilege, whatever. Mm. No, 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 I can't, you know, like it's not even working your way up. Like, like mm. a dishwasher, for example, I can't tell you the last time it used to be, let's see, uh, my husband's been doing this. He's uh 44. So when he was first come, you know, starting out in the city years ago, it was like, okay, you would see, you know, you would see Billy, the white guy who is like, you know, starting yeah. out and he would be on dishes and whatever. Yeah. And that you, you'd work your way up, you know, it's just like part of what you do, you know, mm-hmm. that's not happening. That is, that has not been happening. There are certain positions like you better thank those immigrants, like don't persecute yeah. them, thank them. Cause there are certain positions where they are just, they, they are, you know, like, thank, thank you. Like if you walk in any restaurant, I, I like, let's just talk about it. Not many people are washing dishes who are the teenagers, you know, whatever. Michael from down the street, who's working a summer job. No, Michael from down the street wants to make, you know, 1200 a week. And he's like, no, I'm not making any less than that. Get out of here. You know, I'm 15 and that's what I deserve. <laughs> oh my God. So there, there's a, yeah. There's a reckoning happening, um, and part of the reckoning is just being open. It's just what we're doing right now, and just like, hi, everyone, you are listening to two restaurant owners in the state of New York that are dealing with this, that are in this, and are trying to do the right thing. So make it easier for us to treat everyone universally. It starts in every position. So when you read these uh, headlines with customer abuse and people leaving and no benefits and da, da da da. Well, if you made it a universal, easy way and starting to talk about every aspect of it, including immigrants, and put it all out there, that's the first step. Being honest and open for us to create a change. system. And we're able to have the conversation, but we're not able to have the conversation. Right. We're scared of it. Yep. Yes. So, you know, one of the, one of the things though, too, like 
you know, you went to college, I went to college, you know, we're choosing to be in this industry. And that is another thing that needs to be outspoken. It's like, First of all, I don't think college is, I think college has, it's a business now. So don't even get me started on that. Like the, <laughs> the idea of college, like, yeah, you know, I don't know, but, um, it's a big business to me, but, uh, the profession, this profession, not having the respect placed on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the worst. Like, that's the worst to me. It's like, I don't care if I have a, four-year degree or if I got my graduate degree and I'm choosing to make the best fucking latte that's placed before you, I'm choosing to do that because Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. You know, like it's just, it's beyond me. It's just, there needs to be so many levels of uncovering with our industry. So these changes can't fully happen until there's respect 100%. on all levels 100%. and it's all discussed. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's so it is very well said. It is something that um, I think we're starting to see inches of things that are changing. Um, and I'm happy that we're seeing some changes. Like I think that is very important. Like we can't take yeah. the big steps without taking the small steps first. Um, and I think that we need to get there and, and we're starting to do it. And, and there are many restaurants that are uh, talking up and, and opening up and starting to have these conversations. Um, but without, as you said, without having the important conversations, we're never, we're never going to get to the place where we need to get to without being able to say, guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic and half of my restaurant can't half of my restaurant employees can't go to a hospital because they're afraid of what it's going to cost them because I can't give them health insurance. Right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Ah, Felipe. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and, and you know, in getting back to the <laughs> positive aspects that you touched on, this pandemic did bring about a lot of change in our industry. We do. I mean, I have never, and, and part of it is the lack of opportunities or the lack of how many restaurants. Oh, oh, we have more. Um, I would say, uh, we have a similar clientele, you and I, in our restaurants and, but take it a step further for some of the high end, you know, the price point that are more like, Mm -hmm. Uh, Michelin or, you know, you know, it's, it's been very tough. I mean, there's a lot like in Chicago and stuff. I've been reading a lot of articles, a lot of restaurants closing because they can't, and they're offering 20 an hour starting pay and benefits and cannot, you know, get it together and say, Oh, we got to close. We, you know, like, it's just, there's, there's a lot happening here. So, even in New York, I mean, we have some of the people who got dirt candy, mm-hmm. like applause. I, I saw what she was doing, raising her prices, giving benefits to everyone. Um, you know, there's there's a lot. Olmstead, I saw they were hiring. I Actually, I dined at Olmstead and I got an email. I dined there like two or three years ago. I got an email last week. I said, <laughs> all right, Greg, you are sending out emails to try to get people like that's a new one, you know, and it was a very competitive email. It had all of the, you know, 
servers guaranteed, you know, 1200 bartenders, you know, this way you could have earned in tips, like, like everyone, uh, you know, possibly 401k, uh, four day work week with working like chefs working, I think it was 10 to 12 hour days, you know, to make that happen. So it was like four hour work week. I mean, yeah. everyone is trying to do this. Unfortunately, yeah. we're all trying to do it. Every single restaurant solo trying to create the best, Ooh, what's the best benefits package uh, to hire and keep our restaurants floating. Um, but instead, how much more powerful could it be if we did have the entire industry on board? And it's just like, yeah, this is, you go to www.restaurant.gov for this. Yep. And that's where you get your benefits package. And, oh, they're an immigrant, immigrant status, yep. this. And how that, easy, that, super I mean, easy, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that is, that would have been the absolute ideal. We have some straightforward way of, of talking about this and, and, and dealing with this, of being able to go to the website I have X amount of immigrants. I have X amount of servers uh, of, of Americans. And, and yeah, this is what I need. Great. Here you go. How else can we help you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny that you talk about the dishwasher. Our, well, our, our dishwasher, um, our dishwashers don't really stay dishwashers. And they usually move up fast uh, to the fact that our, our, our uh, main dishwasher right now, uh, sorry, our early day dishwasher is now our head bartender. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those beautiful things that you do see, like you, you can see them move up because everybody deserves, them. every single person deserves to move up. Every single person deserves to, to do what they want to do. And, and, and a hundred percent, it needs to constantly be happening. Yeah. For sure. No, in uh, hybrid moving up, but also like hybrid. Hybrid is the name of the game at my restaurant. Like that yeah. changed during the pandemic. Everyone's a hybrid. And you know what? Now I'm like, what? Why did we even have this? Uh, like hybrid to me, we did it out of necessity, obviously, during the pandemic. But now it's forever there because it's more there's equality in hybrid to me. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm doing this and yeah. I also do that and I do that. You know, we're all doing everything. And so that's been the name of the game for survival for us. But moving forward, it's like, <laughs> why weren't we doing this? Like this is, it's, it's just, it's very equal. It's like, it's just very like, yeah, I, I, I'm mm -hmm. a host, I'm a server, I'm this, I'm a runner, I'm a busser. Yep. I, 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 you know, I'm going to make your drinks. I'm barista. And I'm also going to clog that toilet when the person comes out and says this, and I'm also this, and you know, like all of us doing everything and, and it's translated to how we clean after service. And just, it's, uh, it's nice because everyone, I think uh, the hybrid model just gives a, yeah, it's just, just equality and everyone just it. feels I love, I love that idea. I mean, as, as an owner, you do everything anyways, right? You are the plumber, you are the electrician, you are the carpenter, right. you are the, you are the dishwasher, the cook, everything, you do everything. Right. Um, and it's that the idea of, of being able to teach everybody the same, the same tools, give them the tools, because at the end of the day, it's, they're it's going to serve them in life regardless. Right. And I think I love that. That's a great, great idea. Totally. Yeah. Well, Felipe, 
Thank you for sharing your story with us. I always like ending by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives. It could be something that we just discussed, a pro tip, or general life advice that you live by. <laughs> I think my mantra, the general mantra in life is just don't be an asshole. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> You know, sometimes sometimes it's hard not to be an asshole, but just try hard not to be an asshole. It'll get you through life far. And and having that perspective, you're right. It's hard sometimes not to be an asshole. And what I will like yeah. contribute to that is silence. If I'm sensing that I'm about to be an asshole, mm-hmm. I just shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> shut up. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, I, I, I thank you so much for this. This was this was a lot of fun, uh, and, and it was a great conversation. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it, Felipe. Where can people follow you? I don't know Instagram, website, whatever you want. Sure. Uh, on Instagram, it's Fel Donnelly, and uh, you can also just follow through uh, at Colonia Verde or at Disco Tacos. Perfect. Well, thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, follow Have You Eaten Yet wherever you get your podcasts.